Welcome to the Matt Sardo Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Sardo, the founder of Monkeys Fighting Robots. This week, we are talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. This will be a spoily, spoiler kind of conversation because uh, a lot of stuff happens in this film. And uh, that's why I'm recording this on a Monday night as opposed to the night I saw it. I did put out uh, a YouTube video with my immediate reaction to the film, non-spoilery, spoilers, uh, just all my pure excitement about the film and, and what it brought to the table and all that fun stuff. Oh my God, it was bonkers, amazing. But this conversation will be, it will talk about all the elements of the film. And that's why it's Monday night. I've got some doers. I got a glass of water. I'm ready to like kind of talk about this, like all the stuff that came in here with this film because I was pleasantly surprised and very optimistic about the future. So let me take about uh, a little sip of my doers. I hope you're having a, your holiday season's going well. And if it's not the end of the year's close and we could just put a big F and do over on everything. But yeah. Okay. So the first part of this podcast, I'm going to like kind of do my film critic breakdown. And then on the second part, I'm going to do like my comic book movie breakdowns because I think there's a big distinction between both. You know, is, is Spider-Man No Way Home a Oscar winning film? No, no, it's not. Is it a bonkers, crazy, epic comic book movie? F yes. F yes, it is. And if you saw it, you know exactly why. But in the... Oh, man. So for me, I saw it last week at a press screening on the IMAX screen. I think there was maybe 20 people in there. They uh, made sure that everybody was vaccinated or had a negative COVID test and people wore masks in the theater. It was the perfect environment in the pandemic era to watch a film. Because, like, these are some of the things that bother me. You know, guns and COVID in Florida. Kind of just, like, those are my top worries these days, I guess. You know. So, let me know how you feel about going to the theater. If you're going to go to the theater to see this. I hope you have, because I hope I'm not spoiling the film for you. But it was a great entry back into the world of cinema. You know, I went and saw Dune earlier. Nice empty theater with all press. We have this. Um, I didn't go see Matrix because I can see that at home on the 22nd and I can't wait for that. I'm trying to think of what else is coming up that I might actually go to a press screening to see, but this is this is what I want to talk about right now. So uh, I'll let you know what else I'm working on. But as far as like the film critic breakdown, um, let me pull up IMDb so I have everybody's name there. Uh, John Watts is the director of this film. I want to make sure that I'm not forgetting anybody else. I think if the Russo brothers directed this film, there it would have had a better, it, certain elements in the film would have had more merit because things kind of just happen. And, you know, like the way that Tobey Maguire is introduced and the way that, um, why am I forgetting his name already? The other Spider-Man, you know, the other Spider-Man guy. Wow, this is, this is, this is brutal. 
is why my kids are a wreck in my brain. It doesn't even come up when you put I put him in there. God, they hate him so much. I think he's one of the, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield is who's one of the most amazing people in a Spider-Man suit. You know, they introduce him in and they introduce Tobey Maguire. It's kind of flat. They kind of just like, oh, here they are. And because uh, when they introduce Doc Ock, it's like a big reveal. It's like, holy shit, what's going on? And uh, so you got that going on. And I think with a different director, these moments would have had more weight. I think he, I think he did a, I think, I think Watts did an admirable job, admirable job handling the amount of stuff that happens in this film and the amount of characters. But I think with a different director, maybe the Russo brothers, since they've handled the Avengers films and, and all the Captain America stuff, they could have, they could have made the moments bigger. And then this falls into like the cinematography as well. It was a cinematographer. Moreau Fiori. He's the, he was Avatar, Training Day, The Island, The Kingdom. Man, this guy has done some good stuff. So maybe it's, it falls on the seat. I don't know. I, but there's a, all the big moments in this film could have been bigger if the cinematography or the direction was a little better. And there were countless big moments in this film with, uh, you know, Doc Ock coming back. You have Electro. You have Sandman. You have Norman Osborn. You have the lizard. Who else do we have in here? I feel like we have we have a lot of people that was in this. You have Doctor Strange. You got Wong. Uh, who else is? And then you have the cast of characters that are already in this to begin this. Begin with. Oh, you got the um, damage control. Those guys. Nobody really kind of like has standout moments in this because the way it's filmed, it's very, and that's what we'll get back into like the comic book movie aspect. So, but, but the direction and the cinematography are just like average. And then when we talk about the costuming, CGI and makeup, they don't help anything either. And I was like, I was like, man, Dr. Strange looks really bad. And I was like, maybe it's just me. And then they showed, the Madness of the Multiverse trailer with Sam Raimi directing that and they showed Doctor Strange and he looks awesome. And I was just like, I was like, okay, it's not me. You know, when you have like, when you're able to look at him from one film to another and you see like CGI, makeup and costuming of different people, you're like, oh, these guys are better. So that, it, it, you, I definitely was very excited for uh, the next Doctor Strange film because Sam Raimi is is a good director. We've seen this before. So, um, and then uh, so what do we got? We got so I'm giving it like three out of five stars for direction and cinematography. And again, I love this film, but we're talking about it from like a film critic breakdown. Uh, the script I kind of give like a three point five. There are 
um, I'm trying, I probably should, I don't know if I should go acting and then script, but like, but the script, like, I don't think the script gives anybody great legs to stand on. You know, it's a, it's a comic book strip and things are happening fast and furious and, and there's a lot of characters that jumble in. Uh, there are a few jokes that do crack me up and I do like the interaction between like Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. I think there are some, some good cracks in there as far as a Spider-Man aspect. Um, but there are epic moments in this film and I don't think the script kind of gives him the legs for the actors to really shine. And I, you know, I mean, it's a comic book movie. So like, some things kind of off hokey, some things, you know, just kind of fall flat. But I, I will say that, like, when Zendaya told people where they were at Doctor Strange's house, and he's like, she's like, you're in a wizard's dungeon. I was, like, mid-sip on my water, and it went all down in my lungs, and, like, I broke. I was broken for a solid, like, two minutes in this press screening. I was, like, doubled over, choking, <laughs> laughing. And I, it just hit my funny bone uh, in the best way possible. So, I mean, like, there were moments that had me excited, and some of that was part of the script. But again, I feel like they could have done more on, like, as a film critique. It's like, hey, if you want to win an Oscar, this isn't going to cut it. You know, your, your, your writing teacher is going to send it back and be like, hey, you have to give me more here. And that's what I would do. Uh, the acting, I think, is what, kind of like stands above everything. Um, I mean, you have Alfred Molina, who is a phenomenal actor, and then you have William Defoe, and then Marissa Tomei. I mean, like, and I mean, you have ben Benedict Cumberbatch, but I, I, I don't take him serious as an actor when he puts the Doctor Strange outfit on. It just doesn't work, you know, whether it's his hair or whatever, it just doesn't work for me. And, and Zendaya is a rising star. Uh, I think Tom Holland, like, gave me some feels in this. So, I mean, like, there was, I feel like there's some growth in his character. Um, I mean, I like John Favreau, but, like, they don't give him anything to work with with his script. And, and I think that he needs, he needs to step away. Because I, I think he, I, I love him for starting the Marvel Universe, but I, I feel like happy is just, he's just a punchline at this point. And that's, that's sad. That's sad to me. I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah. Hann like why was Hannibal Burris in this? Like he, he could have had, you know, he was just very cameo-y. And then the same with Martin Starr. Like those are two guys who can actually do some stuff. And they're like, yeah, whatever. We ain't going to give you anything. Oh yeah. And like you have J.K. Simons in this. And uh, I don't think they gave him, they should have just let him improv. And I don't know if they did or not, but they should have just let him go off. It was nice to see him in here. Um, but yeah, I mean, Thomas Hayden Church is a good actor. I think he was like, had the most potential, but they never got him away from his CGI. And that kind of like pulls you out of it as well. But for me, I mean, like, it, it, if for as a Spider-Man film, and this is where it gets tough, is like, it all goes back to, like, William Defoe's Norman Osborn, Green Goblin, and like his turn is like, awesome. 
And when he turns, you're like, yeah, this is on. We're on, what's on long, on like Donkey Kong right now. Uh, and Alfred Molina, like I liked his story arc in there. So if, if we're going script wise, I liked what they did with Dr. Octopus, the way they brought him in and everything like that. Um, and I liked what they did. I liked where they ended Tom Holland's Spider-Man at the end of the film. I was ecstatic for what's going to happen with the future. And, and that was very exciting. Um, okay, so we got it with the acting. Choked on it, yeah. Uh, so the script is basically, um, it's a three-act story. And it took forever to get to that third act, it felt like. There was some good stuff, and they kept you entertained, but I was like, okay, you got to give us the goods. And, the, you know, the goods showed up in the third act. And the, and the it was still very, like, CW for the first arc. And then the second arc, okay, villains start rising up, things start happening, and then like other Spider-Men show up, and you're like, okay, and then boom, third act, you're like, okay, here's it gonna happen, and then we are we are on, and you have your moment, and uh, yeah, so second to third act, spoiler alert, when Aunt May passes away, which is a bold, bold move that even Marvel Comics can't pull off. And I applauded it very well. Uh, and then you got the reasons in the, in the third act for why things happen. So, I mean, like, there, there's a three-act structure to it. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. But, like, but when you get the third act and you in the film and the film ends and you have your denouement, you're like, oh, my God, this is, this is bonkers amazing. And so let's, let's, let's hop into this. So it's my overall enjoyment. So if I gave directions three stars, cinematography three stars, script three and a half, acting four stars, my enjoyment level was, like, five stars. And beyond, like I was just like, this is bonkers awesomeness. Um, because as a comic book movie, this works extremely well. Uh, there's there's no over explanation in this. Uh, they they assume that you've seen every Spider-Man film and you've seen every MCU film and every Netflix series and everything that has to do with the MCU, uh, the cinematic universe. They've they they and and beyond and outside. They've assumed you've watched every movie possible that has to deal with Marvel heroes. So characters come in and out. Charlie Cox is in there for one scene. You're like, yeah, Daredevil, and then you never see him again. You're like, oh man. Uh, there's no. The the you know like, uh, Norman Osborn comes in, and then he goes away, and then he comes back, and you're just like, okay, like, but there's like. There's no evolution of his character. It just it's just, it's it's Norman Osborn the whole time, and I you know I think if you rewatch the older films and then came to this, you might even got more enjoyment out of them. Um, I did not rewatch anything because um, I mean I think I have a lot of the stuff stuck in my brain. And Spider Man Two is one of one of my favorite films, um, but no, they trusted the audience, and characters came and went. Things happened. Doctor Strange came in. Wong came in. Things happened. You know, like, but they, they, you weren't. They didn't explain anything to you. And as if that's where it like really feels like a comic book. Because you're like, oh man, who was that guy? Oh, I'm gonna have to do my research. I'm going to Wikipedia, or I'm gonna have to go watch another movie, or I'm gonna have to read a comic book. Like that's what I really like about comic books. Is that as a kid there was no like internet, so I'd pick up a comic book in like 1989 and it'd have a character, and I was like, oh, where did that come from? And I'd have to kind of like talk to friends and, and look at price guides to see when that character had been around again before and go back and read back issues. And sometimes Marvel Comics would tell you where you had to read and stuff like that to get your information. So that's what was awesome about it. I felt like this is, I'm like, I'm watching a comic book. This is pretty amazing. 
Um, I mean, the biggest thing for me is uh, Spider-Man No Way Home validates the last 20 years of Spider-Man films that I've watched. From the Tobey Maguire's to Andrew Garfield's. You know, because we hate the reboots. You know, I mean, like, we always hate the reboot. You know, whatever generation you come from. Like, oh, why do we got to reboot this stuff? Why do we got to reboot this stuff? I mean, and this is one of the reasons why I've always talked about with the Scott Snyder films. As they just have to say, like, hey, there's a multiverse. And there's a Christopher Reeve Superman. There's a, there's a Henry Superman. There's a Smallville Superman. There's a CW universe, which is separate from that. And all this stuff. But they're all in the same multiverse. Because then you're not fighting over your favorite Superman. Like, you're like, oh, this is the one I want to see. No, you're like, you can cheer for your favorite Superman. And it becomes more like sports. You know, like, because, again, there's, there's baseball, but then there's like 32 teams. So you can root for the Mets. And you'd be like, I, you know, to win, um, you know, and you can boo other, other stuff. But like at home, you still got your Superman. It's still there. As opposed to them being like, oh, this is the new continuity. Boom, in your face. Your continuity sucks. But this right here validates everything that I've ever watched. Like there's a chance that Nicolas Cage can show up as Ghost Rider now. And I didn't waste my time. Or, um, you know, we can see a blade blade action pop up or I'm trying Electra, like any of this stuff that we've ever seen um, in com- any of the X-Men folk that we've seen can now just start popping up. You know, I mean like it would be bonkers if Chris Evans came back as the human torch from a different universe and they somehow had a film with that. Like that would be bonkers, but they could do it now because they've unleashed a beast and they trusted the audience. And by the amount of money that the films have made and by the positive vibes that I've seen all over the internet, like they succeeded. And I, I mean, it's, it's, I, the lack of trust in the audience that they've had for the past 20 years is annoying. And I, this, this is, again, this is a validation and a you know, bold move killing off Marissa Torme and Aunt May. I mean, but it's, it's something you have to do in the Spider-Man mythos. Like, with great power comes great responsibility. And in the third film of the Tom Holland franchise, they finally have their Uncle Ben moment. And it's with Aunt May. And I'm like, holy shit. I can't believe they did that. Because I'm not going to kill Marissa Torme off. That's not going to happen for me. I'm, she's going to stay alive in my universe for the rest of my life. Um, but yeah, I was I was really impressed with that. I, I got to take some for Aunt May. Because they can't even do that in the comic books. Aunt May is married to J. Jonah Jameson's brother. And, and Peter Parker and J. Jonah Jameson are stepbrothers. God, my brain just implodes thinking about that ah but this film they like that that little bit where Aunt May passes away Tom Holland Spider-Man is really sad and they introduce Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire to Tom Holland and they talk about their moments and their sacrifices and what they've gone through. I was like, oh my God. This is the juicy good stuff that I love. And yeah, because 
Spider-Man is a broken hero. He's got shit luck. And he's like the every kid, every man, kid, every man, child. I don't know. He's a man, child. But he's supposed to be, you know, everybody can be Spider-Man if we're going with into the Spider-Verse mode. Everybody can be Spider-Man. So he is the every man, woman, and child superhero. And he goes through some shit, but he always, like, gets back up. I feel like I'm just quoting into the Spider-Verse. But that's the, that's, that's the Spider-Man film right there. And so that's what they went through. That was bonkers. It was so good. It was so freaking good. And then, okay, so then these Tom Holland films, these three films were giant origin stories. Because the way they introduced them, they kind of like put Spider-Man in a corner for storytelling. And then they had to like, they needed three three films to write themselves out of the corner that they put him in. And that last, when he sews his own suit and hits the street, you know, gets his apartment, gets his apartment. They show him, you know, with the GED books because he didn't even graduate high school. One of the smartest guys in the Marvel universe, like top 10 smart guys, I think is what they had him. I'm sure they've introduced more smart women since then. So he's might be like top 15 smart person in the Marvel universe, but he was pretty smart at one point in time when there wasn't a lot of heroes. Um, so to see that he's like busted for rent, high school dropout, sewing his own suit, he's where I want him to be. And again, I wasn't a huge fan of the Tom Holland, Iron Man, Spider-Man thing. But now everything makes sense. And it's a journey. And I've enjoyed all that journey. Now that I look back on it, I'm like, oh man, I really need to watch the first Tom Holland, Spider-Man and the second one. And just like, see how everything's set up. Like, And then I can go back and I can rewatch my Tobey Maguire movies and my Andrew Garfield movies. And I'm not sad that there isn't any more of them because there was more of them and they're still out there. And, and then the comic books, people can write an Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie or comic book. They can write a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man book because these are all out there. These guys are out there now. And, and this will inspire other people. And, you're, and the universe is just wide open. And then if we talk about like, the things that we saw when the multiverse. Now I saw Craven, I saw Rhino, like, and, and Doctor Strange says, they're all here. So I apologize for that, that burp if that comes through. <laughs> but apparently uh, my, my chicken, my chicken salad is coming up and that's a, and Margo made some cookies. So I got like chicken salad and some cookie chocolate chip cookies in there with a little bit of doers. Like it's, it's hideous. It's hideous. Um, but yeah, let's, let's focus on this. Um, Dr. Strange goes, they're all here. And you see like Craven, you see the rhino, you see some other, I think TM said he saw the scorpion. So you got all these villains come into the MC universe and then, um, 
And then um, Doctor Strange makes him forget that he, who Peter Parker, who Spider-Man is. So it'll be interesting who shows up in the next films and and we're going to have like a college, a college Peter Parker. Uh, MJ is is off at MIT with his buddy. Like they, they can introduce a whole new crop of friends and char- cast of characters that, that go around the the college years Spider-Man. I'm just so excited. Like, I think my favorite Spider-Man is when he's in college and just like running from class. And that's where he meets Dr. Connors. I'm trying to think of who else he meets in college. I mean, like, because it really evolves from there. Because what are we, like, right in, like, issue, like, 100 at that point in time. And then you got the college years and then 200 kicks around. And that's when, like, oh, man, things are, things are going crazy for Spider-Man. And then, the whole 200 to 300 is just an amazing run of Spider-Man. Just bonkers good. You introduce the Hobgoblin at that point in time. The black suit shows up. I think there's Punisher and then the Venom. Like it's oh, so good, so good with that Spider-Man stuff. But but yeah, that's that's where I am with the story. Like Spider-Man No Way Home. I woke up the next day after seeing it with a big, huge smile on my face. I like talk about it right now. I have a huge effing smile on my face. Like it's just, it, there's so much enjoyment and, and, and it like all the negative feelings that I had from the other films, you know, Spider-Man three is not a good film and they force a lot of things in there, but like, that's all gone. I mean, Thomas Hayden Church is in this one. So like he makes everything work and stuff like that. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's like, it's literally like, like a weight was lifted off of my shoulders with this movie. Not that, not that, like, it's, you know, when the world is crazy right now, there's a lot of crazy shit going on, but like, something, it's like when they talk about the Grinch's heart, like, growing 10 sizes or 20 sizes more, like, I felt like my heart grew a size after watching this film, and it's super cokey, but, and that's where I'm going to, that's where I'm going to leave you guys, um, I'm Matt Sardo. We're doing some cool things over at Monkey Fighting Robots. We're going to have a Kickstarter launching for our fourth issue of the magazine in January. Jamie Jones and I have to get back on the bandwagon of Tales of Monkey Fighting Robots. We have 19 pages left to finish the story at the 100-page giant. Oh, man, that's going to be good. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm talking about baseball, and I'm talking about the I'm not I'm talking about the Bears. I'm not talking about the Bears. I'm talking about hockey about comic books we got the matrix coming up so i'm going to review that we got the hawkeye finale which is going to be good uh, i'll talk about that as well my i had some computer issues that shut everything down for like two months so i do apologize for that but i have a new system hooked up and rigged up to make this work and i'm going to do my best to get as many episodes out to you as possible this next year uh, it's going to be my focus with the magazine, the podcast, and the comic strip are going to be my focus in 2022. I'm excited. I hope that you have a great holiday, a great new year, and I hope that everything that you need good to happen in your life happens. And that that's 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 it, kids. That's it. I'm Matt Sardo, signing off.